Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. Matthew chapter 9, and I want to read from verse 36 through verse 38. I want you to stand for just a moment. Would you do that? But when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. This is the ninth chapter, the 36th verse of Matthew. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray you therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Very quickly, he is saying, we need those that will pray. Number two, we need those that will send out those to the uttermost part of the world that are willing to go or will send out those in their own Jerusalem, which is our Houston. We are to pray for prayers and for senders and for laborers. Pray for people. Give to make it possible. And then make sure that you find God's plan for your life. I just want to let you know if you were here Wednesday and Wade hadn't told you or Zach or one of our other staff, we're talking about senders. Last Wednesday night, $20 million was given or pledged to be given soon to send. There's 800 missionaries that are waiting in line behind these 25 that are ready to go. We, some are senders, some are goers, but we can all pray. Let's get started. Would you be seated? I want you very quickly to follow me this morning. I want you to notice this command is not to go. This command is to pray. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, but the labor is a few. Now, what are you supposed to do about it? Pray. Pray. Everybody can pray. Let me ask you a question. Do you know God well enough if somebody just impulsively says, I want you to pray, would you not pass out? Would you start, would you, would you just absolutely get so nervous you, you might even regurgitate, you know, for, please don't ever do that to me. I'm just so scared. You know, one of the things that we want you to do first is to know you matter to God. You don't have to be an orator. All you have to be is like a little child to just throw his arm around their, his parents and say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. I love you, Jesus. Hold me. Use me. Send me. If I called on you to pray, I hope you could quickly not have to search for data, but just start out. How, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Lord, I love you. Lord, I need you. Lord, thank you for all you've done for me. Life is not about us. It's about him. It's about him. Regardless of how much we want to make it about us and what we want and what we like, it's about him. The thing the church must be very careful to, to do is that in any ministry it starts, it's about him. 
that any song we sing, it's about him. Anything we teach, it's about him. Anything we do is to be about him and how he relates to those whom he loves. We sing a song, I'm bound for the promised land. That's an old gospel song, I'm bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I'm bound for the promised land. Well, I want to go, but not now. Not today. I thought you were getting a load to go today. I'm, I'm not ready. Lord, just leave me. I still got a lot to do. I got some things, places I need to go, things I need to do. What about letting go and letting God have his wonderful way? Like graduation. Can you imagine a graduate praying that their name will not be called when the diplomas are read out? I was always frightened right up to the one in front of me that maybe they're going to pull me out of line and say, uh-oh, you didn't take basket weaving when you were a freshman and you've got to stay and, and take that course. But when we sing that, that simple song, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I hope you can sing it with confidence. Don't be like the old country singer, uh, uh, a preacher that I heard, and his singer didn't show up one Sunday, and so he led the music, and they sang that song. Of course, all he needed to do was go like that. And so, as they were singing that song, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. <laughs> that wasn't the way it's supposed to end. <laughs> we want to be there. But you know what? There's a whole lot of heaven on the way to heaven. And you know where that heaven is? That heaven is when you see people come to Jesus and you're there. If you led them personally, you were in a crowd where they gathered, we're praying that, that when you meet with us the week of Palm Sunday through Easter, that there will be every service, many people that will be sitting close to you, and many of them have had their names put on that card, and if you didn't get one last week, they're going to be in the pews next week, but they're out there in the offering, uh, in those uh, bulletin boxes as you leave. Pick one up. Put the name of somebody you're praying for and you're going to try to bring. And then write their name on the second part. Tear it in two and put one of them in the offering box. Take the other one with you and start praying for that person. Many of us are talking about people we're praying for. Let me tell you what happened last uh, Thursday night. I was in Arkansas right out of Little Rock at a wild game dinner. I mean, it looked like a Duck Dynasty family reunion, if, if you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and they uh, all got together and I brought a message uh, that I felt like was relevant to people that liked the outdoors and sportsmen and so forth. And when it came to the end, we gave an invitation. And the whole message was about getting the cross in the right place in your life. And if you get the cross in the right place in your life, everything else takes care of itself. So we gave an invitation, and we had the people that were there to take a card that they had filled out to register, and they were going to get a crossbow, whoever won, and a lady that had been praying two years for a crossbow got the crossbow in the drawing. And then they were to draw a circle on the back of the card if they prayed with me, as I led them in the sinner's prayer, and to put an X in that circle, okay? which means something to, to hunters and to sportsmen. When they look down something, they see an X, it means something. I won't go into that, but just trust me, it means something. Well, when we got through, people were leaving. The three staff members were sitting at the table, and they were looking at the cards. And I slept over beside them, and there were 41 cards of 41 that had trusted the Lord as Savior and prayed with me a few minutes before. But here's the reason I'm telling you the story. They would look at the card. I, I watched them. I didn't know anybody. I knew two people. The Smith family from our church, Herb 
uh, uh, Smith and his wife were there, Mary Jo, and I didn't even know they were there. That's the only two I knew, okay? They'd look at, here's, I'm going to kind of imitate what I saw. This is a name now, somebody that had prayed to receive Christ. They would turn and give it to the person next to them. They would look at it. Look at the first person. Then they passed it to the third. Who were these people? They were people that those three men knew. They were all bubbles from Arkansas, from the great outdoors, and they'd given their heart to Jesus. They had known them for years, and they could not believe that they got saved. You know why they maybe hadn't gotten saved before? Because nobody asked them. Nobody presented the gospel in a clear way. You don't just live it. Just, I must live my life in such a way that they're just going to see Jesus in me and they're just going to be running to Jesus. Don't count on it. Don't count it. None are righteous, no, not one. But this scripture says we need to pray for laborers. Those laborers are not necessarily those that, get, that are going to be sent to the uttermost part of the world, but in your world where you live, you need to be living proof of a loving God to that watching world. And Jesus cries out here. He is so compassionate. He says, I pray for you. I want you to be used by me. In John 4, 35, the word that we key in on is look. Say not there yet four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes for the fields and look on the fields for they are already white unto harvest. He says, look. Look, look. Brother Wade and I talked very briefly about this this past week. I've talked to Brother Chuck and a couple of other staff members, Brother Jim Green. I'm hoping that after our resurrection week that we will be able to organize some tours right here in Houston. You say, I can't go to Germany, I can't go to Europe, I can't go to the Holy Land, I can't go to Africa. We want to take you through Houston. I want you to see the city that we live in. Many of you have no clue what's within 10 miles of where I'm standing right now. You're, that's not your world. You go to this grocery store, that, take the kids to school here, you come here to church. But we're living in a city that the world has come to our city. They're here from everywhere. The leader of our association told me there are more mosques and temples being built in Houston right now than there are Christian churches. And the slave traffic. And all this going on right here. He says, look, look, look. Jesus got over Jerusalem. He looked out over the city. We, our city is Houston. We've got to look here. We've got to reach the young people here. We've got to reach the young adults here. But we've got to reach the down and out as well as the up and out. Both of them. And so Jesus says, look. And then he says, pray for laborers. Pray for laborers. And then he says in Matthew 28, 19, go you, therefore... You go, you teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. You remember Isaiah when he heard that kind of stuff? Isaiah's a pretty sharp guy. Read the book. He had a way of communicating. And if you read in Isaiah, the sixth chapter, verse 8, God speaks to Isaiah. And when he spoke to him, it's in the 8th verse of the 6th chapter. Isaiah wrote, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. 
The time has come for us to quit looking around for others. When are you going to? When are you going to? When are they going to? The question is, when are we going to? When are you going to? When are you going to open yourselves up with no fear and say, here I am, Lord. I know wherever I go, if you lead me, you're going with me. You're not going to put me somewhere where I'm not prepared to handle it. I know I'm unique. I know I'm one of a kind, but I want to go. I want to serve. I want to pray. I want to give. Whatever your calling might be. But Matthew wrote about Jesus, says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion, and he wept. A few moments ago, in the baptistry, I wept. The man standing by me wept. And for those of you that look so sophisticated now, I saw some of you weeping. When that humble man asked, I want to be baptized. And you know what I could think of all the healthy people I know more than 75 right now that in the last four months have said, I want to follow Jesus as my Savior, but they're not willing to be baptized. I had a lady that could not speak, and, and it was signed to me, and all of our security saw it. And she said, I want to be baptized. And we went through three people and talking about it, and I think of all the people said, I don't want to get my hair wet. I don't, want to, I don't want to get fanatical about this stuff. My goodness, if my friends found out I was a Christian, I wouldn't have any friends. You know what Mark 10 says? It says, nobody's left father and mother and houses and land for my sake and the gospel's sake that I won't return to you 100-fold. All you do sometimes is get rid of the garbage in order that you can receive the treasures of God. God will not forsake you ever, ever, ever. He wept over Jerusalem. Some of us are so mad at Houston, we can't weep over Houston. We ought to weep at how we are being deceived, how we are, are, are being led astray to where our priorities are no longer our priorities, that ought to be our priorities are no longer our priorities, and we're going down all kinds of paths rather than, Lord, take our city, our Jerusalem, our state, Texas, our city, Houston, our nation, America. And then, Father, may we tell the world. You know, we're worried about the enemies coming to our country. Our biggest concern is our believers getting the gospel to the world. This thing goes two ways, folks. You go hide under a tree somewhere, and you're going to be in serious trouble. If you think the military is going to protect you, you're in serious trouble, as great as it is, the greatest in the world. But I know one thing. When you put on the whole armor of God, and that's another, another Bible study, but you put on the whole armor of God, and no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper because this is inheritance of the children of God. To be absent from the body and present with the Lord. But right now, as we move about in flesh and blood, we need to do what God wants us to do. We need laborers who have a heart to, to, to go to those that know not our Lord Jesus and tell them, God loves you. God loves you. Revelation chapter 2, John is writing... He talks about the church. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, how you cannot bear them which are evil. You've tried them which say they're apostles and they are not. You found them to be liars. 
You have borne and had patience, and for my name's sake you've labored, and you have not fainted. But then he says, but I got something against you, and that is you've left your first love. Let me tell you, folks, don't serve the Lord because you think you can make more dollars, have better health. Serve the Lord because you love God and you love him. I, I want you to know, God, I love you. I care. And I know that life is brief and soon's going to be past. And only what's done for you is going to last. But God, use me. Use me, the Salvation Army. When, when the founder was supposed to speak one night, he checked in the hotel. He was to speak in the main ballroom to a great crowd of people. He got deathly ill. He could not go to deliver his address. And he got a piece of paper and he wrote one word and said, when it comes time for me to speak, would you read it to the audience? And it was a very influential audience. And when he opened up the paper, there was one word on it. It said, others. Others. Salvation Army, others. God's Army, others. As for me, thanks to Calvary, I've been changed. I want that for you. I want that for you. I will never understand why the world that is being deceived by so many people in so many different ways that Sid still say, but here's my money, here's my body, here's my talent, here's my, here's my presence. And, and, and it's so obvious, evidence so obvious. You're being used, you're being used, you're being used, you're being used. And then when the Lord says, come and take up your cross and follow me, and I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And people say, no, that's boring. I'm just going to continue to be like the world and like everybody else. I want to challenge every person here to seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he's near. And I want to encourage you to do something. I haven't asked permission from these members of the staff, but I'm going to call some of them out by name. In fact, wait, I'll just go ahead and start with you. Here's what I want you to do. I'm talking to a lot of you right now, and you're sitting there, and you say, man, I wish that. I wish that. Oh, I'd like to be. And I'd like Do you know Wade? Do you know Kim? Take them out to Vic and Anthony's or something, buy them a nice steak, and let them tell you their story. Let Wade tell you about why he's sitting right there and how it wasn't because he graduated valedictorian and he came from a wonderful home where everybody just loved Jesus and went to church and tied on the gross and believed the Bible and all that. Get the Wade and Kim story. You'll love them more because both of them are sinners saved by grace. I want you to talk to Zach Nicholson. Zach's going to be one of the preachers in the new service. Go talk to Zach. He had never been as sweet. He hadn't always been as sweet as he looks like he is now, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you about when he held a pistol in his hand and almost took his life when the devil almost destroyed that man. This man had a great career with his family, but God called him out because of that girl right there who brought him to church. And you've, if you hadn't heard his testimony, for the three of you that hadn't heard his testimony, when he asked, Kim asked him, do you go to church? He said, well, do you, Wade? And, 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 and I mean, excuse me. Wade asked her, well, do you? And she said, yes, I do. He said, yeah, I do too. <laughs> I mean, he just got spiritual just like that and came over to the, to the HRA auditorium and trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. Ask Chuck Snyder his story. Get him to tell you the story. He hasn't always been as sweet as he is right now. <clears throat> um, <laughs> he came out of the business world. He, too, had a great career ahead of him. 
But God called him out. Talk to Roy Gale. Let Roy tell you about his growing up and going all over South Texas, those little bitty churches where they almost starved to death, but God provide. You know, 30 people in this church, 50 in that church, and so forth. One day, Roy Gale walked into my office. He said, Pastor, I knew Roy, but I didn't know him well. He said, Pastor, God's moving on my heart. God's telling me to sell my business. 30, I believe, two employees. And I'm, I'm to follow him and to be a preacher of the gospel. And if you need somebody on your staff that'll work for free, I will come and work full-time on this staff to help win the Hispanic people for zero salary, zero benefits, I will come. And he did. And of course, since then, he has become on our paid staff. But what I'm telling you is, that's the way God reached out and got him. Talk to Emory Gad. You know Emory Gad? Let me tell you about Emory Gad. The first time I saw Emory Gad, he was in the first building, way over there in the chapel. He came in, he worked for Delta Airlines. But his, his childhood sweetheart, they knew each other, he and Susan, from the time they were children, over in Freeway Manor. They came over to our church, and he was with Delta Airlines. Here was his favorite line. He said, I've worked for Delta Airlines for X number of years, and in my whole career of handing bags, we have never lost one single bag at Delta. That impressed me. And then his next line was, however, we did misplace about 300,000 bags during my <laughs> tenure that was there. Well, that was my introduction to Emory. But Emory came and took a handful of kids, and our student ministry will speak for itself now. What I'm telling you, his daddy wasn't a Christian, but he saw his daddy come to Christ. These are the stories right here where you live. Talk to Jim Green. Get him to tell you a story coming out of corporate America and how he and Sharon, they could have done whatever they wanted to do, but God called them to come and serve the Lord, and they too came and just began to serve the Lord here. Get Rhonda's story. Get Bill's Cole's story. I'm just telling you this because, folks, this is real stuff. You, I don't know what you think preachers are. I don't even know if, if you know Franklin Graham's story, Billy Graham's son. He wasn't an angel. But God never gave up on him to take over that great ministry. God hadn't given up on you either. Trust me, God has not given so I had my chance. I believe, no, you haven't. You haven't. God is praying to call out laborers that will go and carry the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. Don't be deceived. Jesus said, pray that the laborers will have compassion. He said, I want you to pray also that they will strengthen all the believers. That whenever they're around other believers, that they will just encourage them and strengthen them. Galatians 6.10, do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Iron sharpens iron. Leaders in the same group sometimes sharpen each other as they minister to those that are just coming into the faith. They sharpen one another with their diversification of gifts. They just come. But when one sees you being faithful, it is much easier for them to be faithful. When they see one person that does as these have done, that have forsaken what seemed to be their career, and said, but I must go and serve my Lord. None of you will ever forget the doctor here the other night that just graduated from med school and said, but I'm going to the other side of the world and give my education, not looking for financial resources, but I just want to go and serve God. How many times have you tossed and turned in the middle of the night and said, oh God, 
Why can't you use me? God, I have messed up. I can't be of any good anymore. I made a terrible mistake. Don't you understand that you bring your burdens to the Lord and you leave them there? And he forgives and he forgets. And then he takes you, he made you the first time, and you're born again, and so he tweets and quirks and uses your personality, uses your gifts. But this time, it's not for the benefit of the world or for you. It is for others. But then as you do to others what God wants you to do, he returns to you, blessing after blessing after blessing. If you came to Sagemont, you can be, if you become a part of our church, our, our crop group is a church reaching out to people. Hundreds of prayer requests. Every Sunday, there's a card right in front of you right now. If you fill that card out and you have a prayer need, if you'll put your name on there, there will be somebody praying for you specifically and that need if you put it on there. You can be a part of that group. There's about 70 of them in number. You can be a part of our Helping Hands ministry that reaches out to the, to the hurting the, those that are in our hospital ministry that goes to visit the hospital, minister to people at the funerals, those that love children, those that, that just shake hands and give that word, that look, and that touch, can be a part of the VIP team. I mean, there's a thousand different things. You can even think, of, one of you came to me this past week and you came up with a fabulous idea to be a reader of the books that go in our library and the books that go into our bookstore so that they're carefully read before they're ever sold or checked out. And 10 or 12 or 15 of you that like to read, we could put the best books available today in your hand. You could read them under the criteria, does this glorify the Lord or does it take away from the Lord? Is what's in here what we want people to read or is it not? No one person can read all the books, but you could be a part of that. And as this one came up with that idea, you can come up with one if you're saying, maybe you could get somebody to do, I just say, forget that one. God didn't send you to me. But when you come to me and say, Maybe, Pastor, have you thought about doing this? I sure would like to lead it. That's the way a whole lot of ministries have started right here at Sage My Church. One person. One person. I want to close. Time has gotten away from me. I want to show you something. Our faithful members know about this cane, but there might be one person here that doesn't. And I want to close by illustrating with this cane. If you look at it real close, I'm going to hold it real still. Maybe those watching by television or on the internet can see this cane. If you come up and look at it, it's not an antique, it's junk. It's a bamboo, and this is official U.S. made duct tape. <laughs> and it is shriveled. But I want to tell you about this cane. This cane was given by a family to our church that first lay in the casket of the husband and the father. It lay in the casket of a man by the name of Hiram Woosley. Before they closed the casket that day, I, I looked in there and I, I thought to the family, this cane would be a great reminder to you, Barbara, and Barbara's gone now. And you three girls, what a wonderful husband and daddy you have. I said, don't put that cane in, that, in there. He don't need that where he's going. He's got a new body. They took it out of the cane, out of the casket. 
couple, three years later, we were finishing this building right here. And we had an auction down here at the church. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'm going to give. The family donated this cane. I carried this cane around two days before the auction. Some of you were there. And I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate you being concerned about my back problems, my feet hurting, or, or that you had heard that I'd broke my leg, but I, now that you knew it since I was carrying it, and I wasn't putting on a show with it. I was just carrying it, okay, but I appreciate the prayers. I was trying to sell it because I didn't really think this was the kind of item that would just kind of, you know, be, be a big seller. <laughs> anyway, I thank Jimmy Breedlove, one of our deacons. He offered me a dollar for it. It took me eight hours to get one dollar out of a deacon. He was said, I'll buy that cane. He didn't know anything about it. He just thought it was a cane. I'd use that. That's the very same day a visitor in the church offered me three dollars out under the barbecue tent after everybody had left. And I said, no, I'm not going to sell it. I'm just going to keep it. I'm kind of getting where I'm enjoying it, you know. Kind of take a little weight off your feet. If you were here the next day, Mark Thomas, one of the best auctioneers in this country and Christian man, was well, auctioneer for our, our auction at 3 o'clock that day. I told Mark, I said, Mark, I'm going to give you a cane. I want you to sell it at the auction. And uh, I said, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce it and you just sell it. I said, you'll, you'll, you'll catch on, so what to do? So we went about 45 minutes into the auction that day. If you were here, there were about 700 of you here. We were over in the HRA. And uh, I stopped Mark and I said, I want you to take a break, drink, some, drink you some water, and I want to say something to the crowd. So I just simply said, I thank all of you for worrying about my back and all yesterday. And I said, uh, you know, two people offered to buy this cane for, and the most I got out of it was $3. But uh, I said, uh, I appreciate that, but I want to tell you all a little story. I'm going to ask you a question. I said, how many of you have ever been in the hospital? And do you remember Sage My Church? And a man came into the hospital, and uh, when he came in, you'll remember him because he was all humped over. His hands from arthritis just was in horrific shape. And he, he bent over like this, and as he walked with this cane, <clears throat> when you looked at him, your first thought was, you need to be in this hospital bed, and I need to get out and go home. He had bald hair, but he'd let all this hair grow long around the side, and he'd wrap it up like this. <laughs> and he'd come up, and he'd look up at you, and I'd say, he says, my name is Hiram, and I just want to pray for you, if I can. And he prayed. I said, how, how many of you? About 300 people out of that 700 raised their hand and said they remembered I said, you've seen this cane. This is a cane he carried. This, this is a man that drank the water and went to Jack and Box every day for his lunch and 99 cents for two tacos with water. That was his expense account. His gasoline was paid, and that was it. He did it for about oh, more than 10 years. <clears throat> and um, I said, how many of you ever had a death? The night before the funeral, the family was there, and that same man came in and said, my name's Hiram Woosley, and I'm from Sage My Church. Could I pray for you? You didn't know him from anybody, but he prayed for you. I said, how many of you? About 70 hands went up. I said, well, you've seen this cane. I said, this is a cane that man carried for 15 years to visit you in the hospital. That was his call. Hiram felt God's call in the ministry when he was six years old. He and I talked about it many, many hours. He thought it was to preach. 
but his ministry was at the end of his days, not at the beginning of his days. Although he touched people in a lot of ways, I said, this belonged to Hiram Woosley. I said, Mark, I want you to sell it. This cane brought $68,000. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Before I get through my story, praise God, amen. No one person gave $68,000. People bid on the cane. The gavel came down. Sold, $1,000. Wow, that's a lot of money for the cane. And the people that bought it gave it back and said, sell it again. Next time it went on the auction block, it brought $500. Next time it went on the auction block, it brought $1,000. It kept on. The highest at any one run was $3,500. But when all the money was totaled, $68,000. Soulsby says the highest world record of a cane ever sold by them was $35,000 of a Zulu warrior, an old 100-year-old cane. You know, it had artistic value. This one brought $68,000. It's not worth a dollar, but the man's example is priceless. God plus a cane and a willing heart can take a crippled man and touch a city. Now, what's in your pocket? What's in your wallet? What's in your heart? What's in your background? Silver and gold have I none. That sounds like Hiram, but such as I have. I got a $1 cane and nothing to do. I can't play golf, can't go hunt, can't go fishing, and I can't go shopping because I don't have any money, but I can sure represent my Lord. That's what we're talking about. Now, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Now, Lord, what would you have me to do? God, what can I do? What can I do that will let people know that you love them? I was with a man in Arkansas that never wanted to go to prison. He said, I could not stand to go. I didn't even think about going with the men to, to the penitentiaries, to visiting those in the penitentiary. He now goes every single week. And God just revolutionized his heart. Once he did, one time, what he always felt like he should do, but he didn't think he could do. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Just like he used these that are on our staff, those that are sitting in this auditorium, those that are in heaven. Pray that God will call out people. And if the Lord says, okay, I'm calling you, then move from the praying for God to call out others and say, here I am, send me and go. And if you can't go, give. And if you can't give, pray. But don't just cast it aside and say, I'm going to do something else. The fields are white under harvest. It was very clear that our new leader, David Platt, with our International Mission Board, when he said that we're going to send these out, but there are hundreds waiting behind to go, but there's no money to send them. But some do need to start giving. We all need to start praying, and there's still others that need to come talk to people like Wade and others that he can send you to that have a mission heart as to where in your mission field may be Houston. It may be with your organization, the fire department, the police department, an athletic team, a school, a, a, a corporation, a hospital. 
be a thousand different places. But where will you go? Where will you go? As God has called you out, he will equip you and he will send you. Are you willing to go? The first thing that's necessary is salvation. You've got to know that you're a sinner like all the rest of us. You've got to know you can't save yourself. And you've got to go to the Lord Jesus and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save my soul. Would you pray that prayer right now? If you've never prayed it, prayer, God, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. And then you have to repent. Repent means an about face, a turning around. You've got to quit going the way you're going and turn and start following him. Are you willing to repent? And then third, are you willing to believe and receive him as your Lord and Savior? Believe that he is the Savior and invite him to come in. And you just simply say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save my soul. I invite you to be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.